but I kind of titled today's message or teaching as Holy Day. You can look at it as Holiday or Holy Day, which I think is very interesting, uh, a very interesting word and it's appropriate. Uh, But I'll start with my season in in the fast and with the Lord asked me to do something and I argued with him and I'd heard it before it was it was about Fuji's soccer team the Matanzas high school soccer team I had been asked last year to come in and help coach by the head coach the head coach is uh was retiring this year he wasn't gonna coach and he asked me to come help support the program if I could come coach and I'm like okay I'll think about it and you know but deep down inside, I'm like, been there, done that. You know, I've, I've done a lot of coaching in my life. I've been coaching since I was like 18. <laughs> my first high school coaching, I think it was 19 or 20 at Apopka High School. I would coach the JV team at Apopka High School. I had a mullet down to my, my butt. I remember having to go in for the interview. And my, my coach, the coach who hired me, he was actually my middle school coach. And uh, he hired me and he told the AD, hey, because he, he knew I was doing it for a, a, a spiritual purpose, but he didn't, he, he, I went into the uh, athletic director to do the interview and he had already prepped, prepped the guy, said, listen, his hair is something, it's not a, a style, it's something that he's, he has to accomplish something before he can cut his, <laughs> his rat tail off. And my rat, yeah, exactly, yeah, so I go into an interview with a, literally a rat tail, just, just a rat tail, not the, my whole hair, but a rat tail down to my butt, I mean, it was down past my butt. Obviously, it took a long time for me to accomplish what I was trying to accomplish. So I've been coaching that for that long up to then, you know. And anyways, I kind of wrestled with God about, hey, I want you to go coach. And long story short, he, he puts you in holes and stuff. And I, I said, well, open. I said, if this is you, I'll open and close doors. I'll just I'll go through it as long as I can go through it. And it started getting rough trying to get through the Department of Education to get my certificate. And I, I told Jen, Jen, see? It's closing. This door is closing. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. This God's just closing this door. It's not good. And uh, it stayed open. <laughs> she, she, my wife said, it's not closed yet. You just haven't tried again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's closing. Because <laughs> in my mind, I have all these other things to do. I know the commitment it takes. You know, It's definitely not for the money because you get paid maybe $2 an hour a stipend for your work, if that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. At the end, and uh, so, anyways, um, but the Lord, the Lord told me He goes, I, I want, I want you to be a part of the of Fuji's life, and I want you to be a part of His world, which soccer at the high school, I, you know, is a big part of His world. So, I wish Johnny was still there, you know, because that would have been nice if I could have coached, you know, one more year with Johnny there too. But long story short, and then I started griping about it because I'm like, oh, now I'm going to have to coach and I'm not going to be able to do all the things I want to do because I'm not the head coach. I'll be the assistant coach. And the new coach, he's, he's, he's a good coach, but he's, he's new. He's, he's younger than me, so he doesn't have all the experience I have to see a program come to another you know, level. And I'm griping. But I'll just bite my lip and just go through it. I'm going to be there for food. But another long story short, the guy ends up, I end, I've, I've ended up doing every single training session. And the, the, the head coach is like allowing me to use my experience. He, and he actually, so we talked, he says he wants to learn from my experience. So the Lord already prepped his heart, you know, and I think this is good for him too because he has two children who were just born at one pound. So he had twin daughters who were born. They, he was driving back and forth from Orlando because they're still in the hospital. They were one pound at birth, they're still alive. And uh, just recently, he went back to go see them. And I think he's grateful that I can actually help administer the, the training sessions. So, uh, and so all in one day, all my gripes had to go away because now I'm kind of the one setting the, the tone for the high school soccer season, which is wonderful because I, I'd rather be in, the, in charge of it than trying to bite my lip going, uh, if we could only do this, cause, uh, just because of the experience I've had. So here I am coaching boys again, soccer, <laughs> something that I thought I'd retired from. But I understand the concept of team. I understand psychologically, emotionally, what it takes to make a group of knuckleheads into one mind, 
to get them to perform at the highest levels possible. And what I'll usually do is the first thing I like to see is, I mean, I let them see where they are. Because a lot of them come in thinking they are like the best soccer player that God gave to the earth. Mainly it's ego. It's look at me, you know, it's what we were talking about. Look at me, you know, that validation. But in, in the high school mind, it's kind of like it's arrogant looking. And so my first thing I do whenever I'm bringing people together as a team is I break them. I humiliate them. Not in forms of trying to humiliate them to the core, but humiliate them to where they realize, oh, I'm not that good. I need help. <laughs> you know, and so I, I, by doing so, I get through, put them to individual skill sets that identify their weaknesses, identify where they're, oh, you know, and they get embarrassed really quick, especially when I, I isolate them in front of a goal and I try to have them hit a target at game speed and they can't do it from six yards away. And it's funny, at first they react like, oh, I should have caught, you know, they make an excuse for not performing correctly. And then after about three or four times of doing the same thing, they're humiliated. And this is, this is the first whole week. It starts with tryouts, then it starts with other things. And, and by the time I get them to a certain point, they realize I need help. So it's interesting coaching. It's interesting coaching. And I thought about it and this struck me because if I kept them in just a training process, now what are they training for ultimately? You know, why are they going through this process of stripping and trying to strengthen things that are weak and also strengthen those things that they're good at? Why do they go through this process? What are they training for? And I was talking to the Lord about this, and, if, you know, we had our first game. You know, it was a preseason game, and then we were going to go into some other games. They're training for a game. They're training for a performance. They're training for people to watch how they do. They're training for a competition. And I thought about, you know, my whole idea of training would go out the window if we never had a game. It may last for about 21 days or so, but after that, if they never, if they didn't have something to fight for or compete in, my training sessions would go, they'd be like, well, I don't feel like it today. Ah, it's going to be the same thing tomorrow. There's no, there's no end to this. There's no, there's nothing to, to train for. So the training, and you could understand that for if you have ever been in training, you know, <laughs> you would stop training so hard you don't recognize that there's something, and especially if there wasn't, if there wasn't. So, and it's interesting because a soccer is a season. It's just, it's, it's not a long season. It feels like a long season when you're in it, you know, because you got a lot of games, a lot of training. It's like three or four months at the most, but then it comes to an end. So there's this, there's this, there's this, how do you call it? There's this season of training, performing, fighting, getting stronger, and it climaxes to try to get into, ultimately you're trying to get your entire team to win a championship, to ultimately win, to where there's no more opponents. You come to an end, that's the goal of any soccer season. And then I'm trying to get these guys to understand that. I'm not training you just to win, do a better record than last year. I think last year this team was like 50-50, maybe. I'm not training you to be 60-40, I'm training you to be champions. And I'd let them know that from there. I'm not here just to see that you can perform better than last year. I'm, I'm here to see that you guys can conquer anybody and everybody who comes against you so that at the end of the season, we're, we're competing for a championship. And then I thought about you guys. I thought about us being out here in this community, why we went out here in this community. And, I, and, and the Lord kind of, I was talking to the Lord about it and about the boot camp and the fasting and the, and, the, and the, you know, positioning ourselves for help, you know, from the Lord to get, to get the commander-in-chief's voice heard so that we can connect to the head coach of all of this, which is God himself, to listen to instructions. But I think we were talking about it, and he goes, they don't know what they're training for. So the training's coming kind of to a fizzling a bit because they don't know what's the game. What are we training for? Not only as individuals, but as a team. 
And I was like, well, Lord, that's, a, that's an interesting question. You know, that, that is a great question. I mean, like if, if there's no understanding of what are we coming together for, what, are, what is our purpose out here? What is our individual calling? What are my, you know, I can hear from what y'all are talking about. You know, Lord's, he's doing the training and he's going deep. He's humiliating and, and, and it says, and I say humiliation, not in a bad way, but humbling us to understand that we need help. We've, I love what Matt was saying, you know, we've, we've uh, come to this point, you know, and it's like we made the commitment to the team. We made the commitment to his kingdom. We made the commitment to God. I'm all in. Do with me what you want. But what does that look like? And I think, I think today this, this idea of what are we playing for, I think will help to see the game, to see and understand what is the game. And this is what I want to, I think it's a revelation that has been lost. I think it is a revelation that has been lost in general. And when he started talking to me about this, oh my, I, I knew it internally, what the game was and what, what frames a game. You know, in, in a game, in a soccer game, you have a start, you have a halftime, and you have a finish. Most games are, are, are set up that way. There's a time period. There's a beginning and an end. And then you don't just play the game all day, then there's a break, you know? And then like in, in soccer season, you'll have maybe three games a week. And then, you know, you go back. Well, in this type of Christian kingdom training, this team that we're on, um, the Lord, and as I was talking to the Lord about it, he, he reminded me of the game is a day. The game is the 12 to 24 hours he gives you sun up to sun down, so to speak, whatever you consider a day. Some people have a different day if you have a night shift. <laughs> but in general, he's already orchestrated what the game is. It's a 12-hour shift for the most part. Um, and it starts with a sunrise. This is why I'm calling this t- title this Holy Day. I like the word holiday because it comes from that understanding. Actually, the epitome or the etymology of that word is holy day, holiday. And if I ever did a book study with you, if I, I haven't felt led to announce it, but I would study the word, uh, the book of Hebrews right now because this is a, a profound book in this idea of if you haven't figured out God's rest, be be make sure that you you figure this out because it's 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 offered today and it's offered every day but be careful that you don't miss it you know the idea of a holiday when you hear about a holiday you think about rest you think about hey i'm a holiday i think the english i'm a holiday they don't say vacation they say holiday if you want to understand what that word rest means it is holiday you know it's it's an idea of holiday and 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 here i am talking about doesn't sound like a, a holy day or a holiday makes sense to the idea of training for a match or training for what Paul talks about, a battle, you know, where in Paul talks about how, how do you prepare in, in, a, in a game, you prepare for a match by in soccer, you put on, you got, you got, it's minimal, it's not like football or American football, but you have shin guards, you have socks, you have cleats, you have a uniform, you put these things on so that you can play. In turn, Paul encourages us to put on armor every day because the game is afoot. And he's not talking about the difference between what we are training for as opposed to what, you know, Fuji and Johnny are training for in, in a soccer match is the fact that there's, the stakes aren't as high in soccer. Okay, it's, it can be embarrassing if you lose the game, but you don't die. You're not, you're not fighting for other people's lives. You're just trying to score goals and win. I like the idea because it does train people how to win. I think that's a characteristic of love because in 1 Corinthians 13, it says, love doesn't fail. In other words, and in some translations, love always wins. But in terms of prepping for that game, they have to have certain things on. And the same thing Paul says, to prep for a day, the first thing you do is put on your armor. He's giving us the understanding that this is a holy day. 
The game is ready. Don't go out that door thinking that you're not ready to fight. Don't be unprepared to step out not ready to fight. Part of what I was telling us to do and the reason I like to do these men's meetings early is because before we do anything else, it's a recognition that today is a game. And I'm putting this in all, and this is not a game, but it's actually a war that we are to win, that we are giving, we have been given hours to perform at the highest levels and without, and at the beginning of the game, it's interesting because at the beginning of the game, we, the team, we get together, we inspire each other. As a coach, I try to give them inspiration. I put captains in charge of them to give them inspiration. And not only do they get ready for the game, but then they do this chant. I love the Matanzas chants because they get in a circle. They, they, they got two guys in the middle of the circle and they say, oh, oh, oh. And they're, they're like, who are we? Who are we? Who are we? Who are we? And they're all, you know, I mean, it, it, it's tribal. It's a call to war. It's a call. It's, it's a call. They're already dressed. They're waiting for the whistle. And it's interesting because as, as, as understanding that that is how we are to prep for a day with the expectation that we are in a war and that we are called out to fight. And not only fight, but win. And what are the stakes of this game? And this is, this is where it's powerful. The stakes are not, it's not whether you, the stakes are the kingdom of God advancing. And it's a very simple game to me because when I understand the kingdom of God, I'm not just slashing my, my spiritual sword of the wind hoping I'm going to hit a demon. <laughs> or a fallen angel, you know, oh, I might catch one here today, <laughs> you know. But the kingdom of God is, as Jesus said, it's close. It's already on this earth. I'm establishing my kingdom on the hearts of human beings. And there, it's, every heart is being guarded right now. I need you to figure out how to get in. Because guess who's inside of me? I'm carrying the king of kings, the spirit of the king, to the people who are around me. You know, it's interesting, Paul says, listen, if once you give your life to the Lord, he goes, once you do what Matt says, and I'm in, I'm on this team, he doesn't say, leave everything and go crazy. He Actually, Paul encourages, stay where you're at. If you're a slave, be a good slave. <laughs> because he realizes the kingdom of God isn't over, over the ocean in that foreign land who speaks in a language you don't know. It's right in front of you. It's very close. So he starts encouraging us to play the game at home first. Get good at advancing the kingdom to the people who you see every day. Look at their hearts no longer as normal or as, but look at it as a a way to bring me inside of that situation. And guess what? Because you relate to them, I'm already getting closer to their hearts. This is God speaking. Because you're in their life, guess who's in their life? I'm in their life. Now, who are you going to be? Are you going to be you? Or are you going to be me today? It's, it's everything y'all have been saying, you know, about what, he's, what the, God, the Spirit of God is challenging you to. But how often do we, we, we don't see the game? We don't know what we've been training for. It's been, for whatever reason, uh, every day is something that we need to capture again. Not only in our imaginations, but in our lives. We need to realize what we're waking up for. And it's interesting to me that God says, six days you will work. Six days you'll work. One day is going to be, I'm going to call that day your day. And this is interesting because that work... That work thing. And that's why I'm talking about a holiday. And then, and then in Hebrews it says, I challenge you to come into this rest every day. Now, if I'm going out to go to war, I don't normally call that rest. But I remember when I was talking to Jesus about this, he says, remember what I said about, hey, come to me and I will give you rest. And he who's given their lives to me has ceased from all striving but it's interesting because he says, come to me because my yoke, Jesus said my yoke, and people don't understand and we don't use that word a lot anymore because when he, 
only Christians kind of understand it, maybe, hopefully. But my yoke is light, you know, and all I can just see, you know, I tell Everett and Beck this, my, my grandkids, my yoke is light. They can think about you, the, your egg yolk, <laughs> you know, is it fluffy, <laughs> you know. But in, in terms of when you think about a yoke, now, the only time I really saw a yoke was in China, and it was on these big water buffalo oxes things, and they put these, I mean, the yokes that they put on these buffaloes, look, I mean, for a human being to put these, these wooden things that you harness an animal <laughs> to, for that they can pull a load for you, you know, I'm like, man, man, that's a heavy yoke, you know, and that's what a yoke is, it's just these, these wooden harnesses that you put around bir- animals, beast of burdens, what they call them, so that they will pull something for you, and, and Jesus uses it, my yoke is light compared to the yoke you're under right now, and the yoke he was referring to was not just a job, but it was the expectations of what man and the world will have over you. Who are you? Why aren't you pulling your weight? Are you this? Are you a president yet? Do you own your own company? Are you successful? You know, how much money do you make? Are you famous? Are you valuable to anybody? (laughs) You know, how do you look now today is how do you look on social media? You know, how many people like you? And you're at work. and I know Matt's in a system that, man, you can never do enough. The system of corporation today, it is designed to, basically the yoke that you enter when you're going to school, you are designed to work for a corporation or a system. They will pay you for your time, but they're going to own you for the best years of your life. They are going to say, I'm paying you this. We're going we're gonna to call it eight hours a day, but if you really want to be success, successful, you'll probably work more than that a day. And you, we're, we're basically buying your life. So by the time you get home, the best energies that you have have already been expended on our goals, our mantra, our you know, kingdom here on this earth. And what you have for your family, if you, if you have a family, is going to be fumes, if you have fumes left to give. This is what we're actually, this is the education system is designed to get our children ready for this type of life. And it's an amazing trap. I call it the matrix because we all plug into it and we believe in it. Even as Christians, we like, hey, you have to do your best in school because then you can get a good job, a good college degree that you're going to pay thousands of dollars for. So that college is supposedly going to get you ready to be a good employee. So that you can plug in and, and when can you retire from this? When can you finally have a holiday or rest from this? If you're at a good corporation, every year you'll get maybe two weeks. Out of 50 weeks of the year, they will give you two weeks that you can go be on holiday. <laughs> and if you, if, you, if you give us maybe five years of life, we may increase it to three, three weeks. I got three weeks! <laughs> Woo! to do what I want, to rest. But no, but you're kind of, if you really want to do well and we'll make sure you retire well, we want you till you're about 65. <laughs> 65, is, and then, then you can finally, we'll pay you enough so that you can finally rest. That you can finally be on holiday. It, you can, and we, we live in this system that is developed and we promote this system as parents through the education system because the education system is set up for this system. Now, Jesus comes along, and that, that to me is, if you start weighing out that type of yoke, and at an early age, I'm like, this sucks. <laughs> I'm like, I didn't buy in. Ninth grade, I remember, I'm learning all this stuff, number one, that I won't use to try to get into an institution called college because they're the ones dictating this, that I have to learn this, 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 to get into their doors, to commit my life, give my life to this institution, because they're gonna promise that I will have a higher paying job because I have their piece of paper on, on my name. Now I can attach their piece, their, their little acronyms to my name. Because I was confronted with this early, at an early age. No, Jesus was competing for that. We have given our lives to a system. We encourage our kids to give our lives to the system, this yoke. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. Come to me, all you who are heavy burdened, 
and I will give you rest. Give, you, give my, your life to me. And I will rest. In, compare, in comparison, it'll be light. And I was like, early from an early age, yeah, Lord, you tell me what to do as a good, as a good, uh, <laughs> what did Forrest Gump, have you ever seen Forrest Gump? He was a great soldier because he, he, the question was asked by his drill sergeant, you know, what are you going to do, Forrest? And he goes, whatever you tell me to do, sir, <laughs> you're a uh, effing genius, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, and <laughs> sorry, yeah, sir. <laughs> And, you know, in in terms of understanding that concept from being an athlete and doing expectations, I was like, Lord, you tell me what to do. You tell me how high to jump, and I'll jump that high. And in comparison, and he says, and Jesus says in return, you don't have to worry about your life anymore. What you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, how you perform. If you understand my Father's voice and you can hear it and and you do whatever he says do, uh, my Father not only will give you your needs, but He'll meet all your desires. So I opted out of the world system at an early age. Actually, it didn't. I wasn't completely stripped of it till I was 30 years old. I wasn't completely stripped of that. I retired from the world system when I was 30. I remember. Because I tried to do both for a long time. I tried to pull the world's yoke, and I tried to pull the Lord's yoke. And I realized, you, oh man, one was heavy enough. Both is impossible. And Jesus said it this way, you can't serve both money or mammon. Mammon, I like the term mammon because it has the idea of the system behind money. And my father, you can't serve both. You're going to burn out. And so as we're training... As we're working together, I, I, the Lord gripped me with the revelation of how holy one day is to the kingdom. Six days you will work. And, 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 and not only is it holy and, and, and a war that we are to get dressed for and, and, and win, but it's actually compared to what we, I was under before in the corporate world, it was actually easier. Because on some of the days, there was only one thing important to the Lord. I want you to have this conversation with this one person today. And everything else was a breeze because you know what he took away from when you understand this holiness of a day and actually giving your life to the Lord? Is that he takes away all the, all the need to make people happy about how you perform. There's only one person that you need to make happy this day. And it's God. And when the fear of man was stripped from me, and I'll tell you stripped, that's a whole nother story. But when I stopped performing for man, it wasn't just in a job. It wasn't just in quitting a job. It wasn't even about quitting a job. It was not even worrying about what they think. It was performing at a level that the Lord was interested in. And I no longer had to appear wonderful in front of people because I realized I'm gonna disappoint. Jesus would get a huge crowd Going and all his disciples like, yeah, look, look, we have the, we have the applause of man now. We have, we have influence. We can finally do something huge, Jesus. And this is his disciples' attitude. Look, all the people that are around us, 5,000 men alone. Jesus saw right through it. He's like, they're only following me because I fed them. I performed a trick. And he tells his disciples, watch this. <laughs> and he takes the crowd a little bit. You want to follow me? You want to be a part of this? Then you got to eat me and drink me. <laughs> and the disciples knew Jesus was prone to this kind of talk that people wouldn't understand. And they're like, oh. <laughs> Everybody left. And it was back down to the few. And he tested their commitment. Do you want to leave too? Just got real, right? And like, Lord, we don't have anywhere else to go. If this isn't real, then we're, we're kind of, we're screwed. <laughs> If you aren't who you say you are, we don't know who you are, we think you are, we're out of business because we gave everything to this. Now, some of y'all in your, in, your, in your fast, you're being challenged with that again. You're being challenged to say, what does it mean to give my life back to the Lord? What does it mean to give myself back? You know, it's, it's scary a little bit. 
But what I have found is that it's the only way to live. It's the only way to truly live is to truly commit your life every day. And it, to me, it's, 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 a, it's a renewal of the commitment every morning. Because this is a day that the Lord has made. This is the day that the Lord has made. He's not asking me to worry about my 401k. He's not asking me to worry about my retirement. He says, I got all that already taken care of. I want you to worry about one thing today. If you look at Jesus's teachings, he says, don't worry about tomorrow. There's enough trouble today that I want you to face with me. Man, that took the burden off. If everybody, I get around Christian counselors so, so many times and they want to talk about your finance, they want to get into your business about, you know, how are you preparing for the future? And they go, do you have a three-year and a five-year plan? It's the purpose-driven life. <laughs> do you have, what's your three-year, what's your five-year? It was kind of like this, this, when these books came out, it was like one of these Christian things. What's your three-year, what's your five-year? It was just a corporate principle of slavery <laughs> to your own understanding how money is going to affect the rest of your life. And I said, I don't have a three-year. I don't have a five-year anymore. I have today. Would you like to hear that? I've already talked to the coach. By the way, his name's God. <laughs> Jesus paid a heavy price that I could come right to his throne and figure out what today looks like. And guess what? I pray without ceasing now because every moment becomes precious. I got 12 hours. My... Uh, of real energy actually four hours if you want to really if you're really in a fight four hours is long (laughs) in a day but every day the lord if you're in that mode he will bring you look at people it's like people come across my day now especially the ones who i'm in love with my family and he goes i'm like what are we going to do today lord and this whole summer has been about two two people mainly for me Maisie and Everly. As a man, I'm thinking, as a man in my, what, almost 69 years old, as a man, I'm thinking, I should be performing at a high level in a corporate setting somewhere, you know, and and doing this and doing that. And guess what the assignment he gave me all summer? A two-year-old and a (laughs) three-year-old. I want you to show these kids the way you look at the world because it's the way I look at it. I want you to spend time with them. (laughs) Like... Yes, sir. Sir, yes, sir. <laughs> These two kids have transformed my life. In the season, in this season, where I'm supposed to be doing all this stuff with my surfboard company and this, this, and that, the Lord says, no, I want you to spend some time coaching. I want you to spend some time with Fuji. And I realized he, he put me in a position where me and Fuji have been spending a little bit more time together. We wake up together, go to school together. You know, I drop him off. I pick him up from school now, and we go to we, me and him set up the whole soccer field together, ready, you know, to coach a bunch of knucklehead guys. We spend another couple hours doing that, then we drive home together. Then at night, we'll spend another hour or so if if he has homework, doing homework, or we do dishes together. This whole season has been about me and Fuge. So I came from two grandkids to my own son to in the middle of all that. Lord will bring, now this person needs you today. He extends my day sometimes into the night hours <laughs> for people who aren't in, in, in close proximity who are calling me from other countries, other places who are in need of a warrior. And it's amazing how much energy he will give you, how much he will pack into one day to a person who's willing to say, sir, yes, sir. Because now it's not my strength. It's a lot of times out of my weakness where I see his greatest victories. I'm just showing up now. Just like in the days of old when you show up to a battle, he's like, I just want you to march around this building for seven, seven days and beat a drum and blow a horn. Watch what happens at the end. I'm learning that a lot of times he just wants us to show up and listen to somebody else's heart. I don't have to have all the answers. He said, no, just listen. Just be with. A lot of people think, if I'm going to show up, I need all the right answers. No, sometimes you just got to show up. And what I have found, again, is that the foot, the, the, the game is a foot. The game is today. Did you dress for it? 
Did you even see it? Or are you just getting caught up? And the fast should help us with that. The fast should help us because the fast should help us tune into what God is saying about today. This holy day is powerful. There's some things he says, you know, uh, going back to Jesus' teachings. His mercies are new, what? Every day. Because we need them to be. Because I didn't play very well yesterday. (laughs) I failed miserably. I missed the war. I was sidelined. And what's amazing to me that we choose to be sidelined a lot by this device. We want to hear all the news that's going on everywhere else. And we miss the people that the Lord is putting in front of us today, the hearts that are there. It's so easy to be sidelined and distracted. And I watch around a lot of people, get, they, they go out into the war. The enemy knows who you are, but we have forgotten. And we go out dressed without any armor and we get hit and we come back by the end of the day like, what happened? <laughs> I got hit. Welcome to the war. Maybe tomorrow you put on your helmet of salvation. Because where did he hit you? I don't know who I am. Breastplate of righteousness, belt of truth, the shield of faith. These aren't just metaphorical. These are real. If they're not, if you're, if you don't, if you're not with the Father, and I've told us in, during this whole fasting thing that putting on the armor is as easy as you know. You have an armor bearer. You know, if you're a king. They help put on your armor and they stand. Being in the presence of God, he's like, here, let's put this on together. This truth. What does the breastplate of righteousness look like today for you? Who are you counting on? Are you counting on your own performance for righteousness today? Or are you, are you, are you understanding that my son's already paid for all that? Your righteousness now has been paid for. All you got to do is step into it. Paid for by his blood. Your performance, yes, sucked yesterday. But thank God we're not depending on you for your righteousness. You know, the belt of truth, who am I? Like Jesus says, you walk on, you put that belt of truth holding your pants on, you're not going to be humiliated because you're walking in. You're not, you're not like, oh, I'm, I'm a worm. You know, oh, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. You know, if you go out like that, <laughs> you know, no, I once was lost, but now I'm found. <laughs> Let's go on with the verse. Because the reality is I am more than a conqueror. I really am. I can stand before Satan himself and make a stand, and he will flee. Belt of truth is powerful. You know, it's why I'm wanting us to get into the scriptures again to understand where is this truth coming from? What has been written? What has been written? Not only, because I told you, the, the, the scriptures, the Bible talks about not only the past, but it actually predicts the future. And guess who's in the future of what it was written? Me. This mystery, this enigma called the church would be born onto this planet, and his chosen would be fighting a fight, representing who the Son of Man was and is, until he returns. I have a position to fill today. Pain may last for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Because his mercies are new every day. Because I told my boys at this soccer game, it's not how you start this season. It's how we end that counts. Yeah, I love that. So everything we do is with that principle in mind. It's how we finish this race that counts. Some of us are a little closer to the end of the race than others. <laughs> Just in years. <laughs> you know. And from the rising of the sun to the going down, my Lord's name will be praised. Because it's not our glory that we're displaying, although in that the glory of a man is a a glory of God is a man or a woman fully alive. But the reality that we are fully alive in this day brings my Father glory. So now every day I look at. God, when he brings somebody new into my life today or something unexpected, even if it's a, if me pulling off to the side of the road to, get, to take care of somebody or going to a gas station, I'm always expectant. Lord, are you going to show me somebody today that needs my help, even if it's a stranger? Because I know my role. 
I retired from the world system at age 30. I have been in this system. People ask me in the political scheme, you know, and they know. Uh, I have this text. I know you're not political, but I want you to pray for this, this, and that. Of course, I pray for the president. I'm told to pray for the president. I pray for the systems that are uh, around me. But people ask me, well, are you Republican, Democrat? Are you, you know, I said, if you really want to know, I'm, you know, I'm a monarchist. <laughs> People are like, what? <laughs> I said, I'm in the service of a king. My political alliances aren't really on this planet. I stand to the flag. I don't, you know, I don't pledge my allegiance to a flag. <laughs> I'll stand there and I appreciate this country and, and the things that were made for this country. But deep down inside, I, I, I have allegiance to one. And I pledge my allegiance every morning and it's, thank God I don't have to just sit there and hold my, my hand over my heart and pledge my allegiance to him. I actually just talk to him as a friend. The king of the universe has called us into a friendship to where he wants us to understand what's important to him today. Now, talk about this, and I, I want to read this to you. This is, this is the, the author of Hebrews. This is... Uh, some people, we don't really know who the author is. Scholars are debating. It's the one book that's kind of mysterious in authorship because it doesn't say so-and-so wrote this book. The internal evidence, if there's one person I would say wrote this book, it was most likely Paul. And the more I've read it, I can get a good feel because whoever wrote it was definitely scholarly on Jewish traditions. And actually, you can say it brings up names that aren't in the Old Testament. They're in the Old Testament, but he expands on their story a little bit. If anybody, and, and if it wasn't Paul himself, it had to be a contemporary of Paul and, 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 and in Paul's circle because he talks about Timothy, you know, sending Timothy a lot. So my, if, if, if I would have, was a betting man, I would say Paul. Um, but I'm going to just read chapter 11 and 2. I want you to, after everything I said, I want, you to, I want this to soak in because this if Paul, Paul is the one who always says, pick up, you know, put on the armor. We're wrestling not with flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in the unseen world. In Ephesians, he talks about, you know, your life, according to Ephesians chapter 3, your life as the church is on display before these principalities and powers to display God's wisdom to them. Your life today is one of those living, what do you call those shows when it, they follow you around with a camera every day? What are those? Uh, reality show. Your life is a living reality show to display God's wisdom to the universe. If you're not getting dressed for that reality show, <laughs> the enemy is still up there going, pathetic. <laughs> pathetic. We don't even have to fight this guy. We just let him be distracted. Every athlete loves to have a crowd watch them play. You do. You know, it's a weird day when Corona's hitting and you see the EPL, the English Premier League, and there's nobody in the stands. So what do they have to do in the stands? They actually play music or background of the crowd cheering for them. It's the weirdest thing because you look at it, you, you get the picture of the kid and you hear the noise of a crowd cheering and then it pans out to the, to the audience and it's empty. But for some reason it was important enough, you think these are professionals, they should play at a high level any, anyway. But it's important for them, they realize psychologically, emotionally, it was important for these players to hear a crowd cheering them on. Hebrews 11, starting verse 33. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms. They ruled with justice and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions. Here we go. These are our predecessors, guys. These are the people who went before the church. These are the people in the Old Testament. They quenched the flames of fire and escaped death by the edge of the sword, All right? Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back again from death. 
This is the epic games that were being played before us. But then he talks about others. But others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half. And others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world. This is talking about the athletes that came before us that were just on another level of performance. It says they were too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. Yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. And this it goes into talking about God's discipline proves his love. And when we're talking about a boot camp, we're talking about a spiritual boot camp that we've been, I've been, and this is, guys, this has been a very light one. This has been a very light boot camp. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, they went before us Now they are our witnesses. They are cheering us on to this life of faith. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Especially this sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. How do we do this? We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus the champion who initiated, uh, initiates uh, and perfects our faith. He's still training us. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not yet given her lives in your struggle against sin. It's like, you think this is hard? (laughs) He gave his life for this. And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as as his children? He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. As you endure his divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are, not, you are illegitimate and are not really his children at all. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? (laughs) For our earthly fathers disciplined as as for a few years, doing the best they knew how. This should help some of us fathers. (laughs) They did the best they knew how. (laughs) But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness no discipline is enjoyable while it's happening duh it's painful (laughs) but afterwards there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in it this way so take a new grip this is my encouragement today take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. It's interesting because he already marks out the reason we're taking a new grip, we're picking up so that those who are around you will, 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 will not give up. They will become encouraged and strong. They will be made. He's already almost assuming that you understand that your life is marked by giving it to others. 
This is the game. Oh, I shouldn't put this down. We might be hearing other noises back there. This is the... <laughs> this... <laughs> this is the game. The holiness of one day. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. You're not promised tomorrow. It's interesting that people who are gripped with that are people who have been diagnosed with a terminal disease. You only have three months to live. And all of a sudden, the holiness of a day happens. Jesus already says, hey, no, come to me. Get rid of all this. Because we already know. He's saying, pick up your cross. He's right. Be ready to die today. Because this could be the last day. All of a sudden, if, if you're gripped with that, Every day you wake up, if you're gripped that this could be it, how am I going to spend the energy that the Lord gives me? The inspiration that is inside of me, how am I going to let that overflow to others around? The other way people they get real selfish with that, they're like, well, what am I going to do? What's my bucket list? How am I going to go see, climb the tallest mountain? How am I going to go you know, do these things I've never done? That's how the world uh, values that, that you need to get it while you're good. But the Lord says, no, how are you going to expend your energy on some, loving somebody else today? It's that simple. I'll bring the people into your lives or you're already in those lives. I want you to figure out a way that you can love them because what is the Father still trying to do to this world? He's still trying to love this dying world the way Jesus was doing. And guess who he's trying to do that through? You. Does it take you to have a lot of money to do this, to have a big organization so that you can go feed them? No, it takes you dying to yourself today and saying, you know what, I'm gonna show up in this person's life with the God of this universe, bursting, overflowing who I am to them. Can you imagine if your wife got that every day? What if you extended new mercies to that person who yesterday just called you whatever? What if you extended new mercies to that person? What does Jesus say? Bless those who have cursed you. I've forgiven you much. You keep forgiving. You keep letting those things go. Even unto death. What if we shake off that sin that so easily entangles us? You know, and you know what the sin mainly is? You know what God, the sin that really God, all of us think is maybe some kind of sexual sin or some kind of sexual, you know what he's talking about? is It's, it's when good people do nothing. We've, be, we, we've made this world our idol. We've made other things our idol. We need to throw away those idols, those things that so easily, and I keep picking up this phone, that so easily distract us, get rid of it, put it down, get into the presence of the Lord and say, yes, sir. And what I have found in this, in, in, in this holiday, is that every day can be a day of rest. Because you're no longer striving for the things of this world. Some days it's one task the Lord wants me to do. Well, what do you want me to do the rest? He goes, hey, go watch The Hobbit. What do you want to do with the rest of this day? You did good. Well done. Well, yes, sir, yes, sir. <laughs> and then other days it is bloody. It's a mess. Thank God for a new day. When I put my head down to sleep, I look forward to a sunrise. I look forward to a morning that says, and it starts again. And what's powerful with this, what I'm experiencing in my life right now after the fast is this, in one moment, he can change everything. So we'll end this message with the command to choose you this day whom you will serve. And as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And in doing so, I want to lead into a, a time of encouraging words for my house, from my house to my house and family. So here we go. text and so I just said a prayer okay Lord put somebody on my heart it was Stephen 
I saw your face. I saw one of the looks that you make. And the, the word I heard is, you are handsome. That's it. Thank you, James. Good word. He is pretty handsome. <laughs> Actually, his face has transformed over the years. Not just physically by growing up, but it's transformed. Steven's got a different countenance than he used to when he was younger. And there's a lot of joy in there. I agree. You are handsome. Anybody else? Michael. So, Aaron, this one's for you. Um, I keep coming back to you in my mind whenever I'm thinking of someone to encourage. And a big part of that, I think, is because you're so kind and humble and thoughtful in so many different ways. And you're a comforter to people who know you and people who don't know you. And I also want you to know that even though, even through the uncertainty of becoming a father, you don't have to worry about being a good dad because just based on who you are, I already see that you're going to be a great dad. Wow. Good one, Mike. Tim Powell. This, uh, this is for Steven, also. Man, it's uh, double dipping. <laughs> I don't think that's legal. <laughs> Go um, Steven, I see you as a, an explorer, but an explorer with a cheerful heart. And you have the capacity in you to make people bring joy to people, uh, whether it's actually through laughter or <laughs> expressions that you make. You have a gifting in you that God has given you that's very different from other people in many ways. But as an explorer, you are you want to know, you want to go for things, you want to find out, just like explorers of the, in the old days, they took off in ships, and, and people said, no, the world is flat. You might fall off the edge, but you explore, and some things you find may not be <laughs> what you thought you were gonna find, but that's not gonna stop you from exploring. And the Lord honors that, and he loves your cheerful heart. And thank you for being who you are. Good. Right up there with Dora. <laughs> Speaking of exploring, I found out why you don't put olive oil in our frying pans. Oh, gosh. Oh, Lord. <laughs> that looks bad. That's a bad burn. Woo. Anybody else? Anybody else? Johnny. This one's for uh, you, Jimmy. Oh. This is a. Uh, but. I'm gonna this recording forever. <laughs> <laughs> Hit play every day. Go ahead. I remember talking in the past, uh, whether it was with you or just hearing it from someone else, but it was talking about how there's no uh, love without like discipline, you know? And I remember just from uh, in the past, like when I was first getting coached by you, it was just like, uh, remember we were going for this drill and uh, I think I messed up in it, but I uh, looked at you and you're like, Johnny, just go through it again. And I was kind of like, oh. and you're like, Johnny, just five push-ups. I was like, okay, I'm never gonna sigh again. But uh, it was starting from like that. And then, uh, and then coming into my uh, junior come to Apopka where boys were just leaving left and right because of the coach and uh, I remember first time getting off the bench after getting moved up to varsity it was uh and then probably never seen that bench again because I, everyone else was leaving and it was that uh discipline not to uh you know not to complain not to uh make it you know the make it the problem that everyone else was having with the coach, you know, but, uh, and then coming to my senior year, you know, uh, kind of getting, I don't know, back to the bench, but just, uh, wanting to help people on and off the field, but feeling like, uh, like I can't find a way or feeling sometimes it was hopeless, but, and then I just remember 
the discipline that you instilled in me just not to, not to stop, not to just uh, keep going. And I know like uh, you feel like this uh, part of you that, you know, you're investing into the soccer team now, you know, it's like this gift that Lord gave you that just keeps on giving, but (laughs) (laughs) I just want to encourage you to help them find, uh, you know, their gifts, you know, on and off the field. Thank you. That's encouraging to me. <laughs> you never know what's going on in that kid's head. <laughs> I got one more kid. You got one? Yeah, sure. I'm going to listen to that a lot, Johnny. <laughs> All right, this is for my brother Marty. Marty, draw close to the Lord and he will draw close to you. Two scriptures that stood out in my mind as I was thinking of you. One is from Hebrews 6.10. For God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers, as you still do. Also, Psalm 56.8. You keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. Marty, God is fashioning you to take you places where you could have never gone. And he is taking the wheel. As you look to him, uh, he will take you to those places. Just know that he has, uh, he has not forgotten all that you have done and all that you have strived to do for him, for others. Awesome. Ditto, Marty. You were here. <laughs> Anybody else? Aaron. Oh, that's for David. Oh, yeah. yeah, man. <laughs> uh, so I saw you yesterday at the Ragga booth, and I walked up. I was like, "Oh, David's here," but it was a sense of it felt normal. If that makes any sense, it just felt it felt right. Um, and so I, I think you being here in this season, in this brand new place, it's normal to feel um, longings for validation or time for insecurities to come up, Hmm. Uh, especially being a single dude. Um, That's just a whole different ballgame in itself. But I just want you to know that it feels normal and you're a good soul and you do bring, um, what's the term? Uh, A purity to the group. And it just, it's encouraging. David Williams, by the way. (laughs) And he did help a lot at the Ragga booth yesterday just by being there. (laughs) Looking across at the land that we may soon have (laughs) across the beach. Anybody else? Yeah. I know Fuji's got one coming here for his mom. Yes. <laughs> so this is for uh, Preston and Heidi. Um, I always talked about how. Uh, oh, by back... the way, Preston is not present right now. Yeah. He's absent. Jerk. <laughs> <laughs> you feel encouraged, Preston? Can you, can you feel it? Okay, go ahead. <laughs> so I always talked about how back in Apaka, uh, Moonbeam, where Jimmy and Jenny and, and the Powells lived, was always a. It was chaotic most of the time, but it was also extremely peaceful as soon as you entered the, the house. And uh, that feels the same way uh, for the Moreau's house. Uh, and some of you all know, I, I tend to go over there at least once a week to go to do puzzles with the girls, just to, to hang out. And it's just, it's a nice peaceful moment uh, mixed in with the, the work week. And so it it's, I love y'all, and it's, it's amazing to be able to just enjoy life with y'all. Uh, and I, I really do appreciate all that y'all have shown me and just related with me um, through a, a new season of my life. It's been amazing to, to just relate back with y'all. Excellent. Preston could have felt that live if you were here. Yeah. But, uh... Sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Fuge, you got something for mom? Yeah. 
<laughs> okay. All right. Go ahead, preach. <laughs> I'm not very good at encourage work. As you all know, I never encourage. I'm, I mean, I never say encourage work yeah. to other. Uh, this one's for uh, Kate, uh, Mom, and Joy. And I don't really have a big word, I got French word to say, but I just want to say thank you for loving me. And yeah. That'll work. <laughs> That'll work. Good job, Fooch. Did I miss anybody? Oh, Steven, did you want to go? Go for it, even though you got double di- dipped. Better give something back. Um, this one's uh, for my dad and for everything that he's done for me, because, you know, um, I've had so many, I've been going in so many different directions and going for so many different goals, and my dad's just uh, been helping me every step of the way, you know, whether it's uh, buying me uh, Spanish uh, CDs or buying me a Spanish book or letting me go to a school that I've always been interested in or, um, you know, giving me the green light to go uh, to places I've checked out online. Um, You know, I I just uh, thank you for that, and... um, you know, I, I encourage you to uh, keep helping others um, who are in a similar situation as mine. Good. 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 I think we got everybody in. Excellent. Excellent, excellent, excellent. We're going to end this recording now.